I want to, to, to stay in the same vein um, that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks as it relates to we started off with helping to build the ark and then now uh, making that transition as it relates to filling the ark. And so today I want to look at a passage of scripture that um, most of you have been reading all your life. I will go as far as to say that I myself have been reading the majority of my life, but I really wanted to, to begin the process of explaining a little deeper or a little better uh, more what the passage is all about. And then we can move through um, shifting and staying in Acts for a little while to hear what God is saying to us. Now, I'm going to be one of the guys that's going to say to you that the Holy Spirit uh, is probably one of the most abused uh, person um, of the triune Godhead. And let me tell you why I'm saying um, he or the Spirit is probably one of the most abused individuals in the triune Godhead is that most of us as believers in Christ, um, and I'll go as far as to say, um, if you are of a charismatic or Pentecostal persuasion, or in some cases, Baptocostal, or whatever your persuasion is, we, we get to the place where we blame or attribute everything we encounter, particularly in church, to the Holy Spirit. And let me explain what I mean by that. The song is good, and we'll say, the Spirit moved. Can we say amen, y'all? Yeah. Amen. Come on, can we be honest? Yeah, I mean, uh, you feel anything in the service, um, be it the lifting of a hand or whatever the situation is, we will say the Spirit moved. Um, and we'll even attach God to the Spirit and say, man, God had his way and, and church was good. If you come and nobody says anything and it's quiet and there's no lifting of the hand, there's none of that stuff going on, we're going to say, the Spirit wasn't here today. We will. We'll say, it was too dead. God must have slept. He didn't wake up. <laughs> Come on, y'all. And, 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 and we attribute a lot to this third person of the Trinity, namely the Holy Spirit. And I'm one of those guys that will say to you, I think sometimes we mistakenly confuse emotion uh, with the move of the Spirit. All right. Yeah, because the songs sound good doesn't necessarily mean that the Spirit is moving. Can, can we say amen? I mean, because it feels good doesn't necessarily mean that the Spirit is moving. I always say this jokingly, that we would go to a Prince concert or whatever, and you'd see the same church folk having the same reactions they have in church over Prince. Come on. Oh, come on, y'all. Let's just be honest here. Let's be honest here. And, and the reason I want to I bring this out is because I think, I think, like little Emily was trying to communicate with us, we as a body of believers miss the true essence and the true meaning for the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I want to go back to that. I want us to kind of talk about that because the reason for a, a majority of us that the ark isn't being filled, and if this is your first Sunday, I'm using the phrase ark as a metaphor for the church or the ark of salvation. The reason that the ark isn't being filled and the church isn't having impact is because you got a whole lot of spirit-filled folk, but nobody's getting saved. Can we just talk? I mean, let me go. It does no good to dance in the Spirit and no one's getting saved. It does no good to, to say that I'm Spirit-filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues and no one is getting saved. You kind of get what I'm saying? It does no good to say all the things that we say spiritually 
And then the result is not people coming to a relationship with God. It's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about myself. Um, and, and nobody's doing what God would call them to do. So I want, I want to explore that this morning a little bit. And I kind of want to go back to basics. And as we kind of, um, I, I don't know how far I'll get, but I just want to walk through this passage of Scripture that's in front of us so we can kind of see what's really happening here. Because as we look, as we go to the book of Acts, you're going to find that... Um, the, the author of Acts takes us to a place where they want to explain to us again the true meaning for the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to take a moment just to talk through that. So as we go forth to be the church that God had called us to, has called us to be, that we would have more impact. It won't be so much about what happens in here, but it'll be about the impact we have when we go out there. You kind of get what I'm saying? I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's where it's at. I think that's where it's at. And so I want to revisit that. Now, let me be the first to say, I am all for a good amen. I'm all for a good shout. I'm all for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm all for all of that. So please don't nobody misinterpret what I'm saying. But I'm going to say to you, that is secondary to what the true purpose of the Spirit is. Can we just say Amen. Amen. So go with me to the book of Acts. Let me just read here and, and kind of lay some foundation and, and walk through this and talk through some things. And I want to share three movements with you. Then we're just going to pick this up uh, in the upcoming weeks and allow God to be God in our midst. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, the author of Acts, who is Luke, picks up by opening up by saying in verse 1 of Acts chapter 1, in the first book, some of your translation says in the former book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then verse 2 says, Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 says, He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to take away from what I'm about to say. What Luke is doing here, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, is following up his writing from the book of Acts by saying, I mean, from the book of Luke, he's saying, the book of Acts is a continuation of what I wrote in the book of Luke. So Luke first, Acts is, Acts is second. Now, here's what he's saying. If you, if you pay close attention to what the author is inscribing for us, he is saying, number one, when I wrote in the book of Luke, I wrote Luke to talk about Jesus' earthly ministry. I want you all to hear me say that, okay? So Luke was all about the works that Jesus did, the miracles that he performed, the healings that he did in the earth realm. Everybody who he touched, all the miraculous stuff that he did, Luke is about that. If you were to look at the closing pages of the book of Luke, you would find that the way um, um, Luke ends that book, he kind of speaks to the ascension or Jesus going up into the heavenly realms. Now, what he's doing when he picks up in the book of Acts, he is talking about a transition that is taking place from Jesus' earthly ministry to the continuation of the work of the church, okay? So now notice what he says. Look with me, look with me at, at verse 2. He says here, um, until the day when he had been taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. Look at 3. He presented himself alive to them 
after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Two things in that passage. Number one, now what you need to know about the book of Acts before we even go on, Jesus died. Jesus had disciples following him. And after his death, the disciples ran away. They scattered. Jesus now is raised from the dead. And don't miss what the author is trying to communicate. He arises from the dead, or he's risen from the dead. Then he meets with his disciples. And I want you to hear verse 3 saying that he spends an enormous amount of time convincing them that he was alive. Y'all all right? Oh, you're listening. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 understand with me. Understand with me. These were no dummies. These were not people. The problem with me and the problem with you is we have the whole story, so we know how it begins. We know what happened in the middle, and we know how the book ends. These guys were living this out in real time. I want y'all to hear me say that. So all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and remember with me, they gave up home, they gave up family, they quit their jobs, they gave up investments, they gave up a whole lot of stuff to follow him, and then Rome kills him. So guess what they do, man? I should have never sold my business to follow that man. You got to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, they're processing this. Don't, don't fool yourself into thinking that they were these deep spiritual people at that point in time. They were living this in real time. So when Jesus arises from the dead, the first thing he does is he shows up and he's trying to deal with the concern or the doubt that they might have had about his resurrection. So he gives them, look at the words that's used, convincing proof. Touch me. Feel me. Eat with me. Can a ghost do these things? Does a spirit, you know, and, and you've got to understand, they're processing, is this for real? Are you going to stay with us? I mean, how in the world did this happen? And so it's, it's a didactic or a learning experience for them because nobody up until that point in time had ever risen from the dead by themselves like that. So what do we do with this guy, Right? And then notice what he says. Secondly, he spends 40 days plus, and that's probably a metaphor for length of time, speaking about the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Say it again. Say the kingdom of, God. kingdom of God. Once again, say the kingdom of God. Kingdom now, here's what I need you to know about the kingdom of God, because what he's really trying to do with them is he's trying to make some change. So the kingdom of God has a, a present and a future aspect. So the whole time Jesus was on the face of the earth, he's saying the kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that, and the kingdom of God is like this. So here's what they're thinking the whole time they hear this, is that that is something that's going to happen um, at the end times, or the theological term would be at the eschaton, or when Jesus comes back. So when they hear the kingdom of God, they're not thinking right now of the present aspect. They're thinking about in the sweet by and by when Jesus comes back. I mean, when God comes at the end of the, the, the earth and brings this church back up. But he's trying to tell them right now in the text that, listen, by virtue of the fact that I arose from the grave, yes, the kingdom of God is future, but the kingdom of God is now. Oh, somebody needs to say amen. 
And he's trying to get these disciples, these 11 guys, to get a grasp on the truth and the fact that the kingdom of God, even though it may have a future aspect, by virtue of the fact that I'm raised from the dead, the kingdom of God is right now. Now, if y'all can put the first point on the screen, I want to kind of walk you through a couple of things so we can see what Jesus is saying here. So look with me. Look with me now at verse 4. Look with verse 4. So here's what I want y'all to understand. After the resurrection, Jesus essentially transferred responsibility for his earthly ministry. And I'm, I'm saying here by way of, of, of application to you and to me in addition to the disciples at the time of the text. So what's happening here is he's saying, here's Luke. In the book of Luke, I told y'all what Jesus did. In the book of Acts, I'm telling you what you're supposed to do. I, I, need, I need to make this, I need to get this real simple so we can track with me. Luke, I wrote about the things that Jesus did, all that good stuff. He got up from the dead, and now he's talking about the present aspect of the kingdom, even though there's a future aspect. But more importantly, Jesus now is meeting with the 12 to transfer responsibility to them. And by virtue of the fact that you and I are products of the 12, meaning the church, responsibility is being transferred to us. Oh, come on, say amen. Come on, say Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you got some work to do. Okay, so now watch this. So now, after staying, verse 4, with them, he ordered them not to depart or leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said. And he said, you've heard from me. And look at this. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Look at it again. He says to them, don't depart or don't leave Jerusalem but wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time to go into a whole lot of stuff about that, but here's what I'm going to say about this text just briefly so you can track with me. If you can think of the Old Testament being the time or the, or the theocratic reign of God, or think of the Old Testament as the time when God was in control, okay? Think of the Gospels as the time when Jesus is on earth and Jesus is in control. Are you with me? You will remember between, in the, between the Old and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence where nothing happened with God being in control until Jesus came on the scene. So another shift is about to happen between the Gospels and the Epistles. Jesus says, I died, I rose from the grave. Excuse the term, but I got to say this for the youth. I'm fitting to go home. <laughs> All right? So he's about to go home. So here's what he says. There might be a window where nothing's going to happen because I'm going home. So here's what I need you to do. Hang tight in Jerusalem until the third person of the Trinity shows up. And then when he shows up, you can start doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 I need to be clear, I need to be clear about that because I want you to hear me say in my estimation, and my theological framework calls me to say that's a one-time event. Today, we don't have to wait for Jesus to show. Yeah, you know, no, 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 no. There was a transition that was taking place. So he says, stay in Jerusalem 
until God releases the third person of the Holy Spirit. And now notice what the text says. And, and I want y'all to get this really, really quick because this is where we start messing up. He says here, for John um, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with what? Come on, everybody say that. With what? How long? Not many days. Okay, okay. So let, let me draw this analogy real quick, and I, I need to move quick on this so you guys can hear this. He's doing what's called a simile. Here's what the Spirit's going to look like. Understand with me, during the John's day, when John baptized with water, John his baptism was a, a baptism for the repentance of sins or the forgiveness of sins. So when you went down in the water in John days, and the word baptizo means to dip or to immerse or to be completely submerged in. You guys are tracking with me. So here's what John did. John took you, and John took you down as a, uh, a, a sinner, and symbolically, when he brought you out of that water, you were cleansed and your sins were forgiven. So Jesus is saying, and, and y'all don't need to get too deep on this, it's real simple, just like how when John dipped you in the water, you were immersed in that water baptism, the same Greek root is used for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be just like John did. There's going to be a dipping, there's going to be a cleansing, and there's going to be a resurrecting into something new. You guys are tracking with me, okay? So what the Holy Spirit's going to do, metaphorically, just like John dipped you and you went down dry and you came up wet, when the Spirit comes upon you, the, oh, I wish I had somebody in here. I'm trying to not stop because this is exciting to me. Uh, the old man will be gone. It's like a salvation experience. All of you is going to be cleansed. There's going to be cleaning, and you're going to be made completely new because something afresh is going to happen to you. So, so don't leave Jerusalem until you have that experience. I'm just going to say this for the brief sake of conversations, and we can talk about this on Wednesday night if, if you want to continue the dialogue. When you come to Christ today, your baptism takes place. Just going to say that, and we can flesh it out, okay? You don't have to sit on the mourner's bench after you're saved and wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say that. That's why I said to you, what you read in ask, Acts is a one-time experience because there was a window where something new was about to happen. Every time somebody gets saved, that window does not exist. That's why I'm talking about the doctrine of salvation. I want you all to get this. So wait so you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now watch verse 4. Watch verse 4. Okay? Go to the next point. I want you all to see the next point um, because I want you all to get this real quick. So here's the thing. Care must be ex exercised. Church, hear this. Care must be exercised not to misinterpret the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Just y'all say, say this to me. Say be careful. Turn your neighbor, say neighbor. Be careful. Come on, turn to the other neighbor. Say other neighbor. Be careful. I need, I need to hit this real quick because this, this is important because this is the problem with the church right now. Okay? So watch this. So when they had come together, they asked him. So visualize this. Over a period of 40 days, Acts tells us, he is talking about the kingdom. 
So at one of their meetings, they said, Jesus, I've been thinking about what you said. And I've been thinking about my experiences with you. I've been thinking about how you've been living life and the fact that you died and the fact that you got up. And I've been thinking about Old Testament prophecy, what your purpose is and who you are and all that good stuff. So I just got one question. So watch this. When they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at that time restore the kingdom of heaven or Israel? Kingdom of what? The kingdom of Israel. Okay. Now lock into this. He spent time talking to them about the kingdom of God. Listen to their question. Is that going to be time for Israel? Y'all miss this. He spent time teaching them about the kingdom of God, and their question, when that happens, is it going to be Israel's turn? He spent time talking, this is the safe side, about the kingdom of God. <laughs> and, and, and they thought about it. It says, when, when this happens, is it going to be, yeah, Israel's. Y'all get it, right? Y'all get it, yeah. These safe folk, they got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know what y'all know. These safe folk too, amen. All y'all safe, okay, good, yeah. So, so he spent time, he spent time telling them about the kingdom of God, and then the one question they had, when this thing happens, am I going to get mine? <laughs> be careful, be careful not to misinterpret um, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, because here's what we do to people real quick. We look at folk that are already saved, and here's what we say. If you had the Holy Spirit, you'd be like me. Let me, let me get in trouble. 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 Heck, let me just come on down here so y'all can throw stones at me. Matter of fact, Derek, if you spoke in tongues, I'd really know you had the Holy Spirit or not, because I speak in tongues. Patrick, you kind of get what I'm saying? If, if you danced a little bit and didn't sit so boring and not say amen, I'd have known the Spirit was in you. Come on, you, you, you kind of get what I'm saying? So, so here's the question, here's the Spirit, here's the question, and this is what we do as a church. When the Spirit comes upon us, we forget the fact that the purpose of the Spirit is all about the kingdom of God, and we get self. I wish I had somebody in here that it ought to do something to me. It ought to make me do something, and we think it's all about the, so is that the time that I'm going to get my blessing. Are you at that time going to restore Israel? Because here was their framework. Here was their framework, right? That the Messiah is going to come, and the Messiah is going to overthrow the Roman Empire, and the Messiah is going to set up his throne in Israel. You remember James and John? They had a private meeting with him. Hey, Lord, when you set up your kingdom, put me on the right and put the other on the left, and we do the same thing. Lord, I want your spirit so I can be blessed. Fill me with your spirit so I can have this. Fill me with your spirit. So I, 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 are you at that time going to bless me? Y'all excuse me. Excuse me. And for those of us arrogant Christians who look down our noses at people who don't behave like us because we have fooled ourselves into thinking that we have the spirit. I wish I had somebody in here. And because you don't shout like me, because you don't wave your hand like me, because you don't sound like me, you must not have the spirit. And we act like it's all about us. Make it flow. 
No different than those 12 jokers. Are we going to take over Rome? I've been waiting for this. And then we... we, we And in our spiritual arrogance, we tell folks, Sister Annie, your problem is you really need the Spirit. (laughs) Well, I know you do, but, you know, no, I'm just joking. I'm just... (laughs) And and we tell people that as if I'm going to say to you, it is literally impossible to be saved and not have the Spirit of God already in you. Don't make the mistake with me of equating your emotional response to my internal experience. Because I don't shout like you, doesn't mean God is not in me. Because I don't raise my hand like you, doesn't mean God is not in me. Because I don't speak the same language you do, does not mean God is not in me. Because it's not about me, it's not about me, it's not about me. That's why I need to go here. I'm, now, please, please, nobody misinterpret me. If you can speak Greek, go for it. Are you with me? If you can speak Russian, German, Patois, I mean, Congolese, whatever you can do, go for More power to you. Are you with me? But listen, I can't speak Greek, but every time I open my mouth, somebody gets saved. Oh, I wish I had somebody. <laughs> Are you with me? Okay. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to see this. This is important stuff. So watch this. He said to them, it is not for me to know the times or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, meaning, listen, hey, God, is that, I mean, Jesus, is that going to be our time? That ain't your business. That's what he said. That's God's business. Kind of get what I'm saying? But now, look at this. Put the third point on the screen because I want to hang out here and and I'm going to stop here because I want us to really get this. The Holy Spirit is given to empower believers to be what? A bold witness for who? Bear with me. And I'm almost done. But you will receive, and that word is power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, and what it means, when the Spirit comes, I'm going to give you an ability that you don't have naturally. That's how you'll know the Holy Spirit has come, okay? That God's going to empower you with an unusual ability. Let me help you all with this so you can see where I'm going. Remember with me in the Old Testament, right? It was, I'm dancing around this word dispensation because I don't want nobody to form any opinion. In Old Testament, God was in charge. And what would happen was it was not the era for the Holy Spirit to be in control. So the Holy Spirit would come. He would land on someone. He would empower them to do something miraculous. Then it would go away, right? So here's what it looked like. When David got ready to fight Goliath, um, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he took them phylo stones. Y'all know the story. It wasn't David. It wasn't the stone. It was the Holy Spirit empowering him. Come on, y'all know this, right? 
Uh, come on, same thing with Gideon, same thing with all the Old Testament patriarchs, is that the Spirit would come and he would land on them and empower them, listen to how I'm going to say it, to do what God wanted done in the earth realm. This is going to trip you out. I don't know that you can find places in the Old Testament where the Spirit landed on them just to make them feel good and then go away. <laughs> Whenever the Spirit showed up in the Old Testament, it was never about restoring the kingdom of Israel. It was about the kingdom of God. I wish I had somebody in here. It was about the theocratic reign of God in the earth realm. So here's what he's saying now. So just like the Old Testament, because God's not going to shift purpose because now it's the New Testament, he maintains purpose. And he says, in this window, don't leave Jerusalem, but when it comes, like I used to do in the Old Testament, I'm going to do the same thing. Difference is, I'm not going to come and leave. I'm going to come and, st I wish I had somebody in here, hence the word baptized. I'm going to wet you. I'm going to immerse you. I'm going to consume you. I'm going to be in you, and I'm going to give you continual power and continual ability so whether you want to or not, I'm always with you. Ah, Y'all hearing me? I'm almost done. So watch this. You're going to get the power, and then you're going to be my what? Witness. So when the power comes, you're going to be my witness. Greek word martus, meaning you can legally represent the person you're testifying on behalf of in court because you've experienced him. Let me help you all out. When he got up from the grave, he spent over 40 days teaching them how to be a witness. When they ask you, did he get up, don't say you heard about it. Tell them I ate with him. When they ask you, did he get up, don't tell them my preacher said. Say, I put my finger in the hole in his hands and in the hole in his side. When they ask you, did he get up, come on, tell them, oh, no, he walked with me. And then he talked with me. And he told me I was his own. Come on. When they ask you, did he get out? Come on, do I have any witnesses in here? Don't tell them what you heard or what grandma them said. You speak to them about your own experience. Lock into this because you spent time with me after. I wish I had somebody in here after my resurrection. So you can accurately represent me. The reason a whole lot of us are afraid, this is free, to witness, because we ain't never ate with Jesus. <laughs> we've never touched him. We've never felt him. We never experienced him. So we have nothing to say about him in court. Spend 40 days with him. Start strong so you can finish strong. <laughs> are you with me? Are you hearing me? Now, the power, the power is going to be a power of, of representation to empower you to represent me legally. Watch location. Then we're going to come back to this. Beginning where? In Jerusalem. Then in all where? 
Judea, and then where? Samaria, and then where? To the ends of the earth. Now, this is strange. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to stop because unless I really think the Lord is leading me here. So I told y'all, I told y'all about my, my Jehovah Witness friend last week, right? So I went back to the same exact chair in Starbucks, and I waited for that joke. I did. And, and he's a brother, too, so he, you know, he's like, you know, brothers, what's up, cuz? Say, hey, man, how you doing? I, I, I thank you for the card. That's what I said. Thank you for the card. He said, oh, wow, you like that? I'm like, yeah. He said, did you go to the website? I said, yeah. I checked it out. He said, what you think? I'm like, man, can we meet and talk about it? And he's like, yeah. When you want to meet, I'm like, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. You know? <laughs> well, the, the point is this. The point is this. If he, don't nobody judge me yet. If he, if he, if he, if he can manifest the presence of the Spirit in his life to be so bold as to talk to a stranger that he, I wish I had somebody in here. Who am I not to be bold to manifest the presence of God in my life and talk to, I wish y'all with me, and talk to, I wish I had somebody in here. Because here's what I want you to understand. The purpose of the presence of God in my life is to empower me to be a bold witness for Christ. And I don't know about you, but I walked with him. And I talked with him. And I spent time with him. And I experienced him. And I know who he is. And I know that he knows my name. So can't nobody stop me from telling somebody about the goodness of God because he got up from me on that third. Sunday morning. Are you hearing me? So, so I'm going to be a bold witness. I like Judea. I mean Jerusalem. I like Judea. I like Samaria. I like the end of the earth. Notice I said he was a brother. In my world, I don't care whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Asian, whether you're pink, whether you're polka dot, you need Jesus and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Are you hearing me? I'm done. Come on, Pastor Kay. The church ought not have an empty seat because of the Spirit-filled people in here. Because of the Spirit-filled people in here. If you have been measuring your spirituality based on some spiritual experience, I'm hoping you change that right now and realize that you're empowered to be a witness for God. That's the dominant reason he gave you the Holy Spirit. A good shout is good. Please hear me say that. Speaking in tongues is good. All the spiritual gifts, prophecy, healing, all of that stuff is good. That's for the church. Are you hearing me? Tongues in the world does me no good. Unless I'm in a foreign country and God needs me to speak that language. But my being filled with the Spirit is to tell a lost and dying world about a Savior who they killed, who they persecuted, who they hung on a cross. Like the Baptist preacher would say, but early that third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. Are you with me? And I sat with him and I fellowship with him. 
and he met me in my lonely moments. And just like he did for me, how he healed me, how he blessed me, he can do the same thing for you. I wonder, do we have any bold witnesses for Christ? Come on, anybody in here? Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Come on, y'all, don't fool me now. Anybody in here want to be a witness for Christ? If we're going to fill the ark, if we're going to fill the ark, if we're going to fill the ark, we got to open these things up. But the Spirit is here to tell you how to do it. And we ought not be afraid. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Holy Spirit, be God in our midst, Lord. If there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. Fill us afresh again. God, I pray for a fresh anointing. I pray for a fresh down of your presence, God. The church has been silent for too long, and the world is rising to the occasion. Forgive us, God. Open our mouths again. Open our mouths again. We do it for your glory, God. You be pleased in our midst. In your name we pray.